Hello, and welcome to Once More with Commentary. We are a Buffy and Angel podcast. I'm Ginny. And I'm Allie. And today, we've reached the end of Buffy, which is really weird. We made it. We made it. (laughs) Um, So yeah, so today we are talking about um, Chosen for Buffy, and then the end of season four for Angel, which is home. Uh, We did just have a quick chat and decide that we're actually going to talk about Angel first and then Buffy, mostly because... It's the end of Buffy, but it's not the end of Angel, so we will continue. We have more, plenty more opportunities to have a send-off to Angel. Um, but yeah, in the meantime, how are you? I'm good. Um, I'm like weirdly, I mean, I'm a little frustrated, but I'm also kind of excited because this thing that I have known was going to happen at some point in the last few years of our podcasting has finally happened, which is that I'm recording from a hotel room. <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually, you're right. I am surprised that hasn't happened already. Well, I usually just like made other plans, but um, usually what I do, so I'm in Boston and usually my plan would be like, okay, I'll just go record at Claire's because I know she has a microphone, except Mm -hmm. her microphone is broken. So I was like, I'm not going to sacrifice quality in the name of convenience. Thank you. So what I've made up for in my microphone working probably will be lost in hearing housekeeping outside the door, but... (laughs) It's okay. It's like it's a good setup. I got like a desk. Um, I have yeah. no idea what the acoustics are like, but um, I was laughing. I was like, "Wow, how fitting that it happened on the Buffy finale." Yeah. <laughs> uh, how are you? Pretty good. I told you I have a sore throat. That's about it in terms of news. <laughs> uh, my cat's been really snuggly this week because oh. Alex went back to work, and so he hasn't been here all day with her. And now when we come home, she's like, oh, you left me all day. And then she snuggles on the couch. It's so cute. So that's about where I'm at. Also, there's a lot of wedding stuff to do. And I got really stressed out about it yesterday. So, Oh, no. You're so close. It's not a lot to do. It's just the things and the way they eat up time. It just, you know, it just is annoying. (laughs) Gee, you're getting married in a month. I know. Like, quite literally, because February is only, what, 29 days? Mm -hmm. So It's true. Yeah. Well, you know what? You know what? That's what it is. I am really excited about this, but that's what I shouldn't have added a challenge to my life between the in the last four weeks leading up to my wedding. But leap day is on a Saturday and um, uh, there is a really great episode of 30 Rock about leap day. It's called leap day. It's one of my all time favorite episodes. And my, my friend and I got really excited about how like it's a leap year, so we should, like, watch the episode and, like, do a little party, and so now we're doing a little 30 Rock party, but I agreed to host it, and so that was the th- that was the thing that put me over the edge yesterday. I was like, I have to, like, figure out food, and it's like, you know, it should be themed. <laughs> I was like, oh my god, but just, it's not a lot on its own, but when you're trying to, like, also do all these other things and, like, not stay at work late and, like, do what I- I'm just like, I don't know how I'm, I don't know how it's gonna work, but it'll work. It'll work. You could do, like, really punny things, like, um, well, gummy frogs. I don't get leap. that pun. Oh, no, see, it's more ab- about Liz Lemon foods. Oh, like things oh God, that she eats. that's going to be a lot of cheese. It is a lot of cheese. I know, that was also where I was like, also, I'm just going to have a veggie platter because we can't only eat garbage. <laughs> um, but we'll see. Can you find an approximation of her snack? I think I can get, I have a couple of ideas already. And I didn't, I'm not, like, making a meal. I'm just going to have, like, you know, snacks. Yeah. But it was just, it's just one more grocery run and one more whatever. And I was like, I should get streamers. Anyway. 
So don't agree to take on more when you're no. trying to lead up to your wedding. Why did I do this? Whatever. Well, at least you're not, you're not like you're paying for it, but you're not the person like preparing the food for your wedding. So that's true. That's true. Um, also, I feel like we should mention that we have friends who just had a baby who, and they named him after the Luke Perry character in Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's clearly what that was. I didn't mention that to them. I was like, now is not the time. <laughs> hmm. I had a little giggle. I was like, do they know? <laughs> I didn't even think about that. That's yeah, funny. His name is Pike. Oh. <laughs> Which is cute, but it I was cute. like, I can't think about anything else. <laughs> Um, all right, well, let's, let's get into it, because I think it. this is going to be a long one. I um, think so, too. Because as Jenny said, we're going to do, we think we're going to do Angel first, which actually turns out to make sense chronologically. Right. Um, then we'll do the recap of the Buffy episode, and then we'll just do a final rundown of our Buffy thoughts. Yeah. Which might take an hour, so <laughs> buckle up, everyone. Um, okay, so let's talk about home. Um Let's see if I can do a coherent recap, because I did take a fair amount of notes. Um, First of all, right off the bat, I noticed that Lauren joined the opening credits, and I don't know when that happened. Oh, Um, But I was really excited to to finally notice that. Andy Hallett deserved to be a regular a long time ago, Mm -hmm. at least just for the makeup alone. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Pay that man. Okay, but in terms of plot, so the end of the last episode, Angel comes back to the hotel after Connor has killed Jasmine, and... You know, Lila is there, and everyone's like, oh, my God. Turns out Lila is there. Um, and the reason is that because her contract with Wolfram and Hart was in perpetuity, meaning her death obviously does not preclude her from working for Wolfram and Hart. So she has returned on behalf of the firm to offer Angel and company Wolfram and Hart, uh, parentheses, just the L.A. branch, as a reward for ending world peace, which is is what they did, though not intentionally. So you know, as they're protesting, no, we ended mass enslavement and Lila counters mass enslavement that would have caused peace on earth. So thank you so much. Um, so Angel has won the battle for the time with Wolfram and Hart. They're ceding territory to him. And of course, everyone is super skeptical about this. Like, why would they trust anything Wolfram and Hart says? Um, why would they, right? And so they... Lila tells them there's going to be a limo waiting for you at dawn or before dawn. Um, if you want to take the deal, get in the limo. So one by one, they all show up to the limo. Everybody's curious and they all claim, no, we're just going to hear them out and see what they have to say. And so Lila sets up separate guides for everybody to go show them the parts of Wolfram and Hart that would most interest them. So Fred gets to see the science lab. Wesley gets to see the Hall of Records and the ancient prophecies. Gun meets a panther in the white room. Mm-hmm. Very unclear what his angle there is. Mm-hmm. Um, Lorne gets to see who the roster of entertainment clients are. And Lila offers Angel, you know, a really sweet office with tempered glass. So, or sorry, necro tempered glass so that <laughs> he can sit in the sunshine. And also offers him, when he finds out that Connor has become a bit of a loose cannon, offers him a way to help. So Angel finds out that Connor is now holding an entire group of people hostage in what looks like a sporting goods store, um, including Cordelia, who they've also been searching for. Um, and this is clearly because Connor is at loose ends after the loss of this family that he thought he was going to have, and he's really having a breakdown and like just can't deal. So Angel goes to this hostage situation 
tries to talk Connor down. They end up fighting, and Angel kind of swipes at him with a knife, it seems like, and everything goes white. And we learn at the end when Fred asks who's Connor that Angel has essentially used the powers of Wolfram and Hart to rewrite history, and Connor exists, but he has been placed with a family and is doing really well. Seems like they're celebrating high SAT scores and... You know, he has his pick of colleges. Exactly what Angel would have wanted for Connor had he raised him himself. Mm. Um, and Lila also gives Angel a folder and an amulet that says that can help the situation in Sunnydale. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Angel takes the deal. Right, right. I mean, I was totally won over by this episode. I actually really liked it. You know, not as as there's always something to criticize, but in general, I like kind of got swept swept away by it, and I think it's a little bit ironic because, you know, we've talked about so much about how, I don't know, they just never nail, rarely for long can the show nail the ensemble dynamic. It's like there are times when it's like they finally figured it out, and then they like turn it around, and in this episode, they sort of did the opposite. They were like, "What if we broke every character alone for their own time?" And I was like, "Everybody is sparkling." Like watching Fred interact with somebody else, it was like, "Oh, she gets to be Fred again, and not like saddled with so much weird baggage around everyone." And like Wesley has still gone through all the stuff that Wesley's gone through, but like he got to be super cool and badass, and like take out this other watcher and try to save Lila, and like all this stuff. And it was just like, man. Maybe these people just hate each other and should be around one another. <laughs> but, like, I really liked them all getting their own thing. I actually was very touched by the Connor storyline. Um, I think Vincent Carthizer did, you know, the best he's done so far. And I don't know. I just, overall, I liked it. No, I agree. I think this episode has me, first of all, it's a complete, like... Right, like, this is the like, finale of season four. Everything's already happened in the last episode. Yeah, and they, they, you know, they get a casual mention of Jasmine, but we're moving right on from her. Like, that mm-hmm. storyline is clearly over, thank God. Um, and now it's just tying up loose ends and starting over, and quite literally starting over. And, yeah. you know, I think I've, I mentioned that I, I'm actually a big fan of the fifth season, so I have a little bit of optimism going into it. And this mm-hmm. episode gave me even more, because right. immediately right off the bat, just, just even returning to Wolfram and Hart in this way felt... Yeah like a great decision and I agree I think it really gave everybody a moment to shine in their own way I I don't I still I'm not sure what the hell was going on with gun I don't I think that I that had that thought this morning I was like oh I still don't get what happened <laughs> no because he marches off the elevator and he's like I don't know about you guys but I'm in and like he just had a cosmic connection the, with the, I feel like he kind of got short shrift because he did you know, he's like he's thinking oh they're taking me to security because Leo gun as we know has always Mm-hmm. kind of developed this idea that they just view him as the muscle mm-hmm. and Wolfram and Hart appears to be offering him more than that but unfortunately we don't know, know what, what it, it is, is because <laughs> it's just a panther prowling around him so thank you for explaining yeah um whereas everyone else is like quite literally told like Fred is the new head of the science department Wesley gets all this information and prophecies and and yeah if, um encounters a, a watcher who seems to have defected to mm-hmm. and heart um so we kind of know what their deal is and even angel it's clear it's like he would run the whole place and like they're just giving him this tool um but we don't really know what gun is being offered i mean lauren doesn't even really get we don't really get to see him interact with the people in the entertainment division but you i can would kind of picture they it couldn't get you know 
yeah, A-list stars <laughs> <laughs> in a finale that had like a lot of different set pieces and was probably very expensive. Yeah. Actually um, have a note about that too. This is Alex's note. I actually think this is a very clever solve, but on that note, you know, they did have like, there were so many different settings. Like they have to build this, build this lab for Fred. They have to go into the white room with gun. Angel has to, you know, Connor's in a home and then he's in a store and like there just was a lot so I'm sure this was a very expensive episode and he was like oh when they took Wesley into his his little tour with the former watcher and he was like we have the most impressive library on earth or whatever and he was like oh there's like 10 books on the table and I was like well and then and then they reveal that it's like oh in this book it's like you know mystical mystically enchanted so that you can access all the books that they have but I actually think that is a very clever solution to like this actually makes them look even more technologically and mystically advanced than they than you maybe would have thought because like they probably couldn't afford another set piece that was an actual library (laughs) Um, but I'm always impressed when people can do like what I think are clever solutions that actually do make sense to something like that I think you're right, and I think especially because it just leads to, like, the Hall of Records is, like, a fun kind of twist where it's, like, Mm -hmm. it's a law firm. Like, they're pretty boring at the end of the day. Um, But it was weird to me what, like, if you can whisper in the books and then get anything you want, why there are so many books. And then I was, like, maybe it's so multiple people can be using them. Yeah, and I'm sure some of them are, like, this is the first edition and it's just a collector's item. (laughs) I think some of those are just decorative. (laughs) Yeah. Or maybe they do really have them. It's just that they don't have to have them in that room. Right. That's sort of what I assumed. Yeah. I I think they're all hanging out in those filing cabinets or one of those rooms that Angel previously broke into. Mm -hmm. Um, With uh, Did you notice who was playing Knox? Yes. Fred. Yes, um, I did. That's Buffy's vampire friend. Yeah. Oh, I'm glad they brought him back. He's so good at being... Being charismatic enough to bring characters out of their show. <laughs> I'm like, oh, that's sort of what he did on Buffy, too. Sort of. That's not really what happened, but I really liked him. I thought, yeah, I thought, I, I mean, I'm not sure which, which direction I want to go in. Like, I feel like there's actually a lot to talk about here. Um, there is. I mean, we could just go kind of character by character. or at Let's least, do that. Sort of. I think that's, yeah. that's best. Um, and we can maybe leave Angel and Connor for last. Yeah. Um, I guess we'll start with Cordelia. Well, yeah. Because... The one constant heartbreak, no matter how many improvements they make to this season. I mean, overall, I thought the end of this season, the last, like, five episodes have been pretty good. Um, It still breaks my heart every time we have to... I have to think about Charisma Carpenter getting called in to just lay down in a variety of positions. (laughs) You know, for, like... I'm assuming those are all the last scenes she shot before she went on maternity leave. It was like, okay, lay here. Okay, lay here. Okay, lay down over there. Just be perfectly still. I'm like, ugh. So... I feel like that's not reacting to the plot at all, but that was my thought every time she was on screen these last few episodes. Well, that's fair because she has nothing to do with the plot because they don't give her anything to do. It's true. I mean, they didn't even really... Yeah, yeah, whatever. She's off getting a manicure now, even though she's still in a coma. Great. I don't know. I don't have anything to say about that that we haven't already covered. Yeah. But it was... There's not much to add because they, they just kind of drop her. Yeah. Yeah. And she's kind of just a tool in Connor's story. Um, For sure. I mean, well, well, we can talk about this more. I do feel like, I don't know whether they need, I don't know that they needed to make her lay down there to make this point effective. I do did think Connor talking about how he was going to have a family and she, you know, she said she loved him and that was a lie. I thought that stuff was well, well 
well used, in his, at least in Connor's story. But I think to that point, she didn't need to be there on the floor for him to have the same reaction, <laughs> you know? No. All right. Who's next? Uh, let's do Lorne. Ugh, Lorne. Yeah. I do love Lorne. I love Lorne being in the limo already. <laughs> When they everybody else was like sort of ashamed that they were maybe thinking about going on this tour, and Lauren was just like having a fun in the limo and complaining about the cherries, <laughs> looking for cocktail cherries before dawn. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, really fan of that. Um, and I like that Lauren is just fully included. That like Lauren, it's true. It wasn't like Lila didn't come up and give them an offer, and it didn't include Lauren. Love right. that. Like Lauren has finally fully become part of this team. Yeah, and hopefully is not just the person who gets knocked out all the time. Yeah. I mean, we'll see. I have no idea what happens, but yeah, at least for now. Yeah. That's all I... I know. I mean, that, that said, he wasn't very Lauren, impactful. He still did kind of get the short shrift. He did. Him, him, and then Gunn, too. I mean, I'm annoyed about Gunn's more than Lauren's. At least Lauren is, uh, is like, on paper. The, You know, he's kind of the, the most background of the characters. Gunn's been on this show for so long, and that, like, they still can't really figure out what to do with him is just always irritating to me. It's like, even, I don't know. It's yeah. true, because, like, they've never really explored this idea that, like, Gun is the muscle on a team that includes a vampire and right, yeah. And they never, you know. I just feel like the and and I think they they do kind of go more into this in the next season, um, and Gun does get like an arc, but it's it's really frustrating that even at this point, like they're making jokes about oh, Gun's going to the security office or, you know, Gun's just happy to like have this woman hit on him. I know. It just feels very productive that like, we've learned that gun is a little bit more than that. And even the black Panther feels like on the nose, right? Where it's like, is that really the best we can do as a metaphor for gun? If that's what this even is, because it's not clear. (laughs) Gun meets his inner black Panther. Yeah. I was like, okay, we could be, we could give him more due. but I agree. You know, yeah, all his jokes about the woman showing him around the office really bothered me because it's like even at the beginning of the show, Gunn wasn't like he he like wasn't. I didn't feel like he was always like talking about women and like wanting to hit on them. I don't feel like that was ever a thing that he really did. Like it, maybe it's just like because he's still hurt from all the stuff that happened with Fred and he's trying to make her jealous. But like even that seems like such a weird time and place for for it, you know? Well, it's interesting because like we talked a lot about when Gunn and Fred were together, like the schmoopiness of right. them was kind of off-putting, and now yeah. Gunn seems really hardened. And yeah. almost kind of like what happened to Wesley, in that, you know, he's he's v- being very blatant in front of Fred about wanting this woman to kind of hit on him, which, I, which struck me as a little bit insensitive and odd, but also, you know, this idea that, I mean... <sighs> That he, he's happy that they're taking him to do this, like, specific thing. Yeah. <clears throat> and it doesn't get explained, so all we are left with is this, like, weird sexual thing. And but that's even the way that it, it is out the gate. He's like, oh, I get to go with her. Oh, I get to go with her. Oh, I get to go yeah. with her. Like, that was the whole draw for him in the beginning. And I was like, I just don't think, like, we're trying to boil these characters down to the most desirable thing that we could possibly offer them. And for Glenn, as a pretty woman. I'm like, I just don't think that's his thing. <laughs> Yeah, and yeah, I think that's a part not, of him, but that's, that's not the thing. only I think thing. It's just because his thing was silent and it's like, true. no explanation. And and I think maybe they're trying to leave some mystery for maybe. the next season. Maybe. Because, like I said, this does lead to an interesting story for Gunn, but it's really frustrating in the way that they introduce it. It's just Gunn being reflected in this Black Panther's eyes 
is yeah. <laughs> it's just absurd, honestly. Yeah. yeah. If so, they're well, trying okay. to go for some symbolism or artistic flair, I it fell flat for me. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Um, hopefully that at least leads to something in the next season so that we can look back on this with a little more positivity. Generosity. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, well, let's talk about Fred because yes. I feel like she also really didn't get a ton of depth to her story. Um, um, we, yeah. We, it, it made a lot more sense for the character. I don't know that she got a lot of depth, but I have to say just to reiterate kind of what I was already saying, out of everybody, I was just like, oh, that's right. I forgot that Fred can be this, like, bubbly, excited person. I'm like, I get that when she first got introduced on the show, she wasn't that way. But once she kind of got comfortable, it was like, she was always this bright energy for the show and for the, like, the group dynamic. And that, like, that has also really gone away. It just made me so happy to see her excited and scientific again. Like, those really were, for a minute, that was her whole brand, you know? Like, on the show, it was like, she was the happy-go-lucky scientist one and like to get to see that come out of her again I agree wasn't like super revelatory about her but I thought it was like oh my god Fred can just be Fred again like she doesn't have to be bogged down all this like weighty drama she doesn't have to be reacting to Angel she doesn't have to be worrying about Connor she could just be herself and I thought something about that really made me that really gave me a positive reaction yeah and I think also though I like that that happened but we still don't forget about her growth yeah a character or like some of the new things she's learned because Fred is the one who picks up a weapon to go yes. on a tour. Yes. And she does not pick like a little crossbow. She picks like an assault rifle. So yeah. I did like that note of like Fred yeah. has become comfortable with weapons, has become a solid fighter. And, and is skeptical now. And is skeptical. Yeah. People. Like, I mean, that's her science brain, right? Is like right. kind of go with it, but like don't take everything at face value. And so she picks a weapon off the cart hmm Yeah. Which also makes for some fun physical comedy as she's trying to, like, <laughs> wheel that thing around the lab. Yeah. Um, but, no, I mean, I liked her little aside. Yeah. I, the only thing that rang false for me is the reference to the Wolfram and Hart lab as multi-million dollar. I was like, you guys are literally, like, punching a hole in the time-space continuum right. here. Right. <laughs> like, in the corner. I feel like this is a multi-billion dollar lab. Yeah. Okay, I don't know. Inflation. This 20 yeah. years ago. <laughs> Yeah. Just kidding. (laughs) Um, Okay, so Wesley. I think his was my favorite. His is so good. I, and I didn't see it coming. I forgot. I forgot. And like the whole time in the beginning, you know, so Lila comes back. First of all, I did have quite a few misgivings about Lila in the beginning because I was just kind of like, why are they, why isn't she the first? Because like that just seems like it makes more sense. You know, they really don't give us any explanation in terms of like how Wolfram and Hart contract can mean that you, can still be around like it's a little bit confusing but like once it got going I was like yeah you're right it doesn't really matter (laughs) but I just I was a little bit confused about what Wesley's reaction was to her and kind of what he was trying to convey to the other angel investigations people like I just couldn't tell exactly what he was saying or thinking about her did you feel that way or was it clear to you in the beginning I did because he was so hostile to her when she showed up and you know convinced that she wasn't real and then also I I think I really didn't know like you know when when Wesley's talking about her to Gunn he re-references her as a loved one yeah but then he's mean to her when she's there and saying oh you're not capable of feelings or whatever and so I just never could get a good read on like Wesley's situation and then you know he's kind of it seems like he's a bit 
shocked and upset to see this woman that he yeah. had to decapitate to save her from becoming a vampire. Yeah. Turns out he didn't need to, but he didn't know that. And, you know, she even kind of references that, like, somehow this new Lila still has the, like, her head could come off or something. Mm-hmm. And she's like, oh, Wesley made sure that that wouldn't happen to me. And she seems to be thanking him, but it's it's such a weird dynamic between the two of them until we get to Wesley's adventure in Wolfram and Hart that right. Lila seems to fully anticipate. You know, like she's saying, oh, you got down here a little slower than I thought you would. Mm-hmm. Um, because the moment Wesley hears that she's contracted to Wolfram and Hart forever, forever. He, he immediately, like his plan is to go try to save her. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Yeah. I got the impression that she also thought he was in there looking for something else, though. I thought she thought he was looking for something else in the records. Maybe, but maybe I just put that oh, on. Oh, no, I don't think she she anticipated that he would be trying to save her. I think she okay. anticipated that he would be he, going to look for the answers. Yes, like okay. The real, okay. the real place. The real answers, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, but, okay. And okay. she does seem a little bit touched that he would try to save her, but but, like, that doesn't seem to track with the way he treated her okay so i think what we came to yesterday watching it was that i i I don't know if this tracks if i'm just making excuses or if i'm not but even kind of like doing all that stuff and decapitating her was so hard for wesley that i can understand that he had to like really build up some tough emotional walls to deal with it, or even just to be able to do it and to not be completely decimated for the rest of the season, you know? So I can, I think it is more that like he put that in a special box in his head because there was no other way to deal with it. And then to see her back in front of his face, I think was just like too much where it's just like, I had to make peace with this. We had this really complicated relationship. They didn't for a long time even understand who had killed her or what exactly had happened. And like, I don't know. I think it's more, I think seeing what he did at the end of the episode and then looking back at the beginning, I think he was just so surprised that he didn't know what to do (laughs) and just was like, I can't deal with any of this and just shut down kind of completely. That's sort of my interpretation on it. Maybe that's a, that's a lot of depth that we didn't get from the show. (laughs) But I think it, it, but it is a lot of depth that we've gotten from Wesley. I feel like there was a lot of exploration of Wesley's feelings for Lila and how complicated it was for him because he knew she was evil. And so then to kind of, yes, maybe in this episode, they didn't hammer it out super well, but I think like there was so much emotion in him trying to save her at the end that I feel like I'm willing to kind of give him the benefit of the doubt that like, it's because his feelings were just so complicated that in the beginning he didn't know what to do. Okay, I like that read. Well, it's the generous read, but we'll go. It is with a little. It. It's generous to the episode. I don't think it's generous to Wesley. No, and if I, that makes sense, I I like it, and I yeah, I think Wesley had second to Angel and Connor like the most emotional um, impact of this whole Wolfram and for Hurt sure, deal. and especially because you know <clears throat> he he in a sense has already kind of turned it down in turning down Lila eventually, right? Where he you know. She, yeah. He couldn't get her to cross over enough to the good side that, you know, that was it for him. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think taking this compromise to step a little bit over to the bad side must be kind of tough, especially with Lila right. being the one to be the guide. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a good point. Yeah. I also just on a surface level really loved Wesley's little Indiana Jones moment where, <laughs> you know, he he kind of traps this guy, figures out, not traps, but like tricks him into revealing that this codex or something is there 
and then asks him, you know, oh, so when did you steal it from the mm-hmm. Watchers Council? Um, so that he's basically confronting an, another Watcher who appears to be just as stuffy and uptight as we've seen all the other Watchers be. Yeah. Um, and Wesley gets to kind of be his new cool Wesley self and <laughs> punch the guy out. And, like, it's it basically I liked the juxtaposition of – this guy that he, this Rutherford guy, is essentially what Wesley used to be. Yeah. And then we see what Wesley is now, and he's just so much more sure of himself, so, like, capable, and just, like, has no problem dispatching this guy. And it almost seems to be, like, in his, you know, shooting himself up into the ceiling or wherever he ended up going, he's kind of rejecting the, like, the facade of the watchers mm-hmm. and everything that he used to be like that's not what wesley's gonna go to and like and again we see him go directly to the hall of records like or what is it files and records mm-hmm. like the source of the information the true information which is just a bunch of ugly file cabinets and like that's where everything is kept but it's not in this library beautiful you know leather bound trappings it's just okay take me to the real thing and like that's kind of what Wesley has done on this journey, right? Is he's, right. like, dropped the facade of, like, I know everything. I'm in a suit. Everything's yeah. civilized and British. And, like, yeah. you know, it's like Wesley doesn't even wear his glasses anymore. And, you know, it's like right. everything is just physical. Let's go get it. And I, I don't know if that's really what they were doing, but it worked for me where there's just, like, this visual juxtaposition of, like, Wesley's whole journey. Yeah. Okay. I buy that. But yeah, Wesley was definitely one of the big winners of this episode for me. Mm-hmm. And sorry, just to reiterate, I did, I forgot that he did that in the Halls and Records with Lila. So it was like when he, as soon as he started pulling it out, I was like, oh, I see where this is going. But like, it's still just like, I like had a little audible gasp where I was like, oh my God. <laughs> Wesley's yeah. just so dedicated and he's just such a cool person. <laughs> oh, it's just so complicated. It's true. Also, can we talk about how I'm also really enjoying Lila's all her neck accessories? <laughs> like, oh, now she has to wear thing all high collared shirts. I, I really, I really liked the, the pur- purple one. one. Mm-hmm, I really liked the purple blouse that had just like yeah. for no for no fashion reason. It did look cool, but just had a like turtleneck thing, even though it was like a V cut. She looked great. I mean, those shirts exist now. It's true. It like, totally reminds. They might not be turtlenecks, but you know, there's all those shirts with like cutouts cutouts and like no shoulder and then there's just like a strip across the neck and you're just like but why yeah (laughs) because you died already once and your boyfriend had to behead you so you wouldn't become a vampire (laughs) um it also reminds me of that um scary story you know those the scary stories to tell in the dark books from when we were kids oh yeah and there was one about a girl who always wore a ribbon around her neck and then at the end her like boyfriend husband convinces her to take it off and and her head rolls off yikes (laughs) it's very traumatizing the way those whole, all those books were. The stories are not that creepy. The illustrations are so scary. Okay. Anyway, sorry. Back to Angel. Okay. Back to Angel and Connor. Yeah. Um, so Angel's deal seems to also be, I think, very vague. It is. And I definitely have some questions. But. I think, though, that it's in, refer- it's in service to the big twist. Ooh. Which, why, sorry, which, which is one? that who's Connor? Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I'm, a, a, I mean, I definitely, a, sorry. Sorry, I was going to say, it's a reverse Dawn, if you will. It is, yeah. No, I was definitely thinking that. I took Angel's ultimate decision to be only because they could do that for Connor. 
is the only reason he took the deal at all. 100%. I don't think it's not because he cares about the resources. It's not because he cares about his friends and the resources that they're going to get. It's because he needed to do this thing for Connor and there's literally no other way to do it. No, I 100% think you're right because what I found really interesting is that the first thing Lila offers him is a way to help Buffy. Yeah. And she says, oh, we have this. And he doesn't take it. He turns it down. He says, Buffy will be fine. He doesn't even, you know. Yeah, he doesn't even think about it. Later in Sunnydale, he does not mention that he at first, like, he's like, I'm here. I'm going to put myself on the front lines. Like, he doesn't happen to mention that, oh, but I wasn't interested in helping you at first. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. You know, that's a little interesting. And he never really perks up until she mentions we can help you find Cordelia. Mm -hmm. Um, And then once he, and then Connor's not even part of this until he sees the news bulletin about the hostage crisis. So I I thought that was very revealing about Angel's um, rankings of importance of people. I mean, I don't think that it means he thinks Buffy's not important so much as he thinks Buffy can handle herself. It's like, yeah, that's not the way... I would think that, except that that doesn't track very much with his actual appearance on Buffy, but... Well, that's true, but... Yeah, but but, it's true. I mean, but the the angel from this show to that show already makes no sense. Knowing that this is the order that they happen in and being that he just lost his son and then he shows up and is all, like, pithy and Sunnydale, like, I don't know. (laughs) The whole thing doesn't make sense. (laughs) I think they're mostly two separate... Completely separate well, it makes shows. Sense a and little just... bit if like we f- we see where Connor ended up, maybe Angel I feels guess. a little bit unburdened when he's in Sunnydale. Ugh, but, I don't know. Um, I would need talk... some time to process that. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, he had three weeks if we're going by the airing schedules. So. <laughs> um, yeah, but I thought that was really telling and really interesting. You know that Angel's just like they have to find the right bait. And it turns out that the right bait is just Angel feeling that there is truly no other way and no other option for Connor. That Mm -hmm. Connor has finally hit the limit of what he can experience and the loss that he can take. And, you know, that scene in the store when they're talking and it's really clear that Connor... Connor can never be very rational about this because it happened to him, which is Mm -hmm. totally valid and fair. But, like... Angel, I think, comes to this realization that Connor is always going to blame him for what happened, that he let Colts take him. And as a result of that, Connor has had a miserable existence. And the one yeah. bright spot in that was Cordelia. Yeah. And this whole situation and this family that he thought they were creating, which turned out to be complete lie. Demon trying to take yeah. over the world. I mean, it's just one straw too far, and Connor essentially breaks. Yeah. And you see him in this, he's interacting with these hostages and he's telling this guy who's like clearly terrified, his daughter is terrified, he's like, mm-hmm. you're not holding her right. Yeah. Like yeah. he wants everybody, even in this situation, to be the perfect epitome of family. Right. And I think Angel comes to this realization that Connor is beyond his help. And so, yeah, I think you're right. I think the only reason he takes the deal is because they allow him to help Connor. Mm-hmm. And I have to say to the show's credit that they also pretty much convinced me that I was like, I also don't see a single other option for Connor. <laughs> like, I don't no. know what to tell you. It's like, and, you know, and I, yeah, I mean, he's lived this mystical, touched by all kinds of demons and vampires and powers and gods and goddesses life that it's like you are so beyond what any person should be able to handle. So I don't know. And he's, you know, I don't know. Yeah. I still sort of have mixed feelings about the resolution, but ultimately I'm happy to kind of just take it at face value and not like think about it so hard in terms of like, what are the implications of Angel making this choice for Connor? But like, I don't know. I think in the context of this show where everything is, you know, the rules are different than they are in the real world. I think it mostly makes sense. And I was pretty happy about it. 
But Connor really killed me. I mean, he's been killing us for the last several episodes because it's just like, yeah, when you break down all the things that have happened to him, it's it's awful. It's awful. It's more awful than I even really thought about for a long time. And then that they just keep piling on and piling on and that it's like really that revelation from him that it's like, yeah, everybody felt this thing from Jasmine and I didn't feel it at all. It's like, what do you do for for him now? So I don't know. I really, really felt for him. And I've been really, really sympathetic to him in the latter half of this season. Um, so I am I happy still, ultimately that he gets a happy ending. You I know? still don't think that that tracks with the way they portrayed this on the show, that Connor didn't feel anything. That's true. From Jasmine. Like, that's the one thing that rang really false for me is like this but, idea that Connor wasn't affected when, like, I'm like the moment Jasmine right. shows up, Connor is very clearly affected. It's very true. But that's really um, that this that's also a hallmark of this show is like they love to pull twists that aren't earned. Exactly. Like there's been like one or two good twists in the whole four seasons so far. And then there've been like 20 bad ones where you're like, Hey, you literally said a is true. And then later we're like, haha, I can't believe you fell for that. It's like, I, there's nothing here to suggest I shouldn't believe this. It's true. So I, I agree with you, but I'm like, I'm pretty invested in Connor now and I'm happy to just say yes. I also think that Connor is the only valid reason the show could have for going in this direction yeah like that it's the only thing that angel could take to make this decision where we wouldn't be like what because right it's true yeah i just don't think that any of these characters ultimately would be that well as wesley says the humans turned out to be the most corruptible but Mm -hmm. you know less um angel himself i think would have still said no said no to the end i agree so like for the show to move in this direction, they need the biggest reason they could come up with. And I think this is the only one that would make sense. Unless the other one would be like, we can revive Cordelia. And like, that's the deal. And then I would believe that, but that would mean the show had to treat Charisma Carpenter better. So. It's true. Yeah. And to be honest, now that you've said that, that's a much more obvious out, <laughs> but yes. Yeah. Uh, okay. I think we should move on because this is getting long and we already have, we have a lot more to talk yes. about. Um, but yeah, overall, I liked this, and I am now, for the first time ever, excited to watch a season of Angel. <laughs> yeah. Also, I thought it's, it was pretty funny. I thought it was funny, too. And I, when Angel uh, went to confront Connor in the store, I was like, wow, this episode feels really long. And I didn't think it, it, not in the way that, like, wow, this is dragging, but I was like, they fit a lot into this episode. And, like, that has not traditionally been a strength of theirs, right? Most of these episodes have been, like, you tried to work five episodes into one 40-minute span and failed miserably. And this one, I was like, I actually feel like you told several different stories and they were all coherent. And I wasn't like, oh, my God, why isn't this over yet? I was like, oh, my God, I can't believe there's still more to go. So, well done. Right. Okay. Okay. Should we talk about Buffy? Yeah, let's go for it. Last one. <sighs> okay. What a moment. Last Buffy recap. Oh, my gosh. I'll try and keep it very brief. This I wish pretty... I had a sip of mimosa or champagne or something. <laughs> You're not allowed in your state. <laughs> I'm not allowed. No, I learned the hard way that this hotel is not serving alcohol for noon. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. So, Chosen. Um, you know, Buffy has this big new weapon. She's reunited with her friends for the most part. She's probably killed Caleb, except it turns out she hasn't killed him. He's back from, he's, she didn't quite kill him yet. So she's still in the little room or whatever with Angel. She has one final battle with Caleb, uh, slices him pretty cleanly through in half. It was graphic, even though it didn't, didn't happen on screen. Slice him balls to nose. 
Yep. <laughs> Ugh. So he's definitely dead now. Um, then she and Angel have a little heart to heart, and then she goes back to the house because she's kind finally come up with a solution for what how they can win. So Angel, uh, sorry, before we get there, Angel has given her that amulet. He says only someone in Sold can wear it, and then she tells Angel he can't be the one to do it because she needs him to go be the front, the second front in case they fail, and then she just takes it. Um, but so Buffy comes up with some, you know, plan that they just allude to but don't quite show us what it is. But it turns out that her plan is basically to have Willow use the, <laughs> use the magic of the scythe to empower all the potentials with the full Slayer strength. All the potentials around the world and all the potentials that are there with her in the house right now. And then by doing that, they'll have a strong enough army to take down the Hellmouth, to close the Hellmouth, to kill the Uber Vamps, to end the first for good. Um, and that's pretty much what they do. You know, they have to go back to the high school, which is fitting. Um, they send Willow is terrified to do this because she thinks it's going to be such a huge amount of magic that it'll knock her back into her dark, scary self. But instead it knocks her into a beautiful white goddess like state. Um, and I mean, it pretty, the spell works. The plan mostly works, sort of works. <laughs> um, all the girls have this epic battle with all the Uber vamps. They have all take, you know, they've got this new strength. Um, and I'm sorry, I forgot to say this. When Buffy proposes this plan to all of them, she does very emphatically tell them it's, you know, for years and years and years, the Slayers have been chosen, but now it's time for you to make a choice. Do you want to do this? So I think that's a nice touch. Um, sorry, I'm editorializing now, even though I said I was going to make this quick. Anyway, suffice to say, they do a pretty good job of beating back all the Uber vamps and get close but not quite there um, until Spike puts on the um, amulet that Angel brought because he's, of course, also ensouled and it starts shooting out his soul in the form of sunlight at all the Uber vamps, takes out a whole swath of them in one go, and he has to stay behind to kind of close, finish the deal uh, while all the other potentials that have survived uh, escape with Giles and Xander and everyone else on a school bus. Um, but the, like power of that amulet takes down all of Sunnydale. Basically, it like completely implodes. It's definitely closed for good, but uh, Buffy barely makes it out alive uh, and has to run really fast to catch up with the school bus. And then at the very end, the whole of Sunnydale is caved in. Um, and that's the end. They can't go to the mall. Yeah. Um. Buffy's brilliant plan rested on an amulet whose powers she didn't. She didn't know, know about. I know. <laughs> I know. I, just I have to say that it's it's so true. And to be honest with you, like I have a lot of nitpicks about this. It was there were a lot of problems with this episode, but I am determined to be positive about it because this is the last episode, <laughs> and there I, were you know things what? that I, I liked. I forgive all of the nitpicks also because I. I'm a little embarrassed to say I did not make this connection that you just called out, which is, so this episode is called Chosen, mm -hmm. and this idea throughout the whole show has been, like, the chosen one, right? Like, Buffy is chosen, Faith is chosen. Yes. Chosen being someone else chose them. Yes. In this episode, it's all of these potentials, well, not all the ones not who weren't there. <laughs> I mean, not all of them. All the ones who weren't there didn't make this choice, but right. the ones <laughs> that were there, like, chosen is their, like, the future that is chosen by them. Yes. Which is nice. Is nice. It's true that 
not all the little girls around the world got that choice. But... Yes. <laughs> this is where, there's a lot, a lot of flaws in all the logic of this episode. But if they hadn't <clears throat> shown that part, that might have been a little bit better. <laughs> yeah, I kind of agree with that, actually. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, <sighs> okay, I'm only going to talk about the things that I like for the most part. Uh, we can have a nitpick corner. We can have a little nitpick corner. I mean, yeah, ultimately, it's that they've gotten... <laughs> okay, God, I can't help myself. Is that they've gotten in the span of two episodes two mystical predetermined weapons. So that also kind of flies in the face of this whole we're making our own choice thing. Because, again, they couldn't have done this without the scythe, which she was deter- destined to find, and without this amulet that Angel just happened to have. <laughs> so I don't know why they wrote those two elements into this season the way that they did so late in the game I think that was really the detriment but I'm willing to get swept up in the emotion of it like Willow conquering her fears to use her magic again and not only become more powerful than she's ever become but become even like gooder like better than she ever was is like I I love that scene I it's super cheesy I get it but like it brought a tear to my eye I'm like really happy for Willow I wish you had been here this whole season Willow (laughs) um Dawn gives Buffy a little kick when <laughs> she comes back in the house. That Don't was ask. amazing. I love that. Uh, everything with Anya was amazing and also really almost wrecked me. And Andrew. Everything about Andrew was just amazing in this episode. Um, they have a reference. Sorry, I'm just going through. I'm just, just going go through, through a really list. quick list. Uh, also, Andrew bringing up Trogdor the Burninator, which is just like a really odd but great reference for this show to weave in. Uh, Giles... Andrew, Xander, and Sarah playing D&D the night before their final battle is also great. Um, yeah, I don't know. Faith gets to... I. You know, the other thing that I really liked, and I'm sorry, I'm going through these so quickly. We can definitely go through more slowly, but um, Buffy uses... You know, uh, after Willow does her spell, Kennedy brings the scythe back to Buffy, and Buffy's using it, but when Buffy gets knocked out, she gives it to Faith, and then Faith gives it to one of the other potentials, and it's like, they kind of all get a chance to use it, I thought that was, like, a great metaphor, and it also just made for a kick-ass fight. Um, but, yeah. But I, I cried a little when Faith got a chance to wield the scythe. I really was so happy for Faith. Faith is the breakout star of season seven of Buffy. That's the hot take that you heard here first. <laughs> I also wish she had been more in more of it. Um, I love the scene of Buffy running on the rooftops. I know it like looks a little hokey, but I just really like that. Her like in her final dash at the end, I think is really cool. And I love the final sunny welcome to Sunnydale sign just falling into the big pit. <laughs> I also love that moment too because um Dawn is frantically like, Where's Buffy? looking for Buffy and she yeah. hears that thud on the the bus and she just knows like that's Buffy. That's her. I love the look on her face where she's just like, okay. Like, yeah. And she like sprints off the bus to like hug her. Like, I love that. Like, yeah. I, I still question Buffy's choice. Yeah. Oh. In wearing heels into this battle. Like, <laughs> her whole outfits. Oh my God, Allie. Both this whole episode, she was back to business casual basics. Like, this whole season has been about back to basics, and that included Buffy's wardrobe. Did she look like she was going to an office? Yes. She's wearing, like, a weird button-up high neck <laughs> shirt as though she's Lila, and then later she was wearing a blazer and, like, work trousers. I was like, okay, Buffy. And heels. Heels, <laughs> and heels. to fight the Uber vamps. I Perhaps well, they're helpful maybe, in, like, stabbing, but, like... That's what she should do, is have stakes on her heels. I know. And then I'm watching her, like, sprint along the rooftop in these, like, three-inch heels, and I'm just like... <laughs> Why? <laughs> they were like boots, though, right? They were what? They were chunky heel boots, right? They were I thought stilettos, they were, but they, they weren't stilettos. Could okay. have been chunkier. Okay. Yeah, you're right. 
I was still just like, what? what? That's, like, but, you know, yeah. Buffy's going to die. She's going to die looking cute, I guess. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> um, um, no, I agree with all of this. I, you know, the Anya stuff is, I love that moment where Andrew's, you know, because Andrew is just say, like shocked oh, like he's my alive God. and he's saying, why did I live and all of this? And he, you know, and Xander's like, hey, did you see what happened to Anya? And, and Andrew's like, yeah, she died saving my life. And Xander very clearly is like, that's my girl. I was yeah. doing a stupid thing. Like, and I just love that moment because it's, you know, I'm sad that Anya died. And, she, yeah. But it, it still it gets me. It seemed like there was a hesitation to kill off any of the main four. Yeah. And, Anya's a fitting, I think, person because she also, I think her arc was fitting, fittingly ended, right? Like she, I agree. She decided yeah. this was the apocalypse she was going to stay for because she loves humans and she wanted to, to unlike the last one, she wanted to stay. Mm-hmm. And she lost her life doing it, which is very poetic. Um, she also lost her life saving a human who didn't deserve to be saved, right. arguably. And, you know, she she held held the door like it was you know it was great and I love Xander's moment too of like you know he and Anya had come to this place of like understanding and affection yeah and you know he's desperate to know what happened to her but also very stoic about it at the end and I know that that is meant to be a moment I think mostly for Xander but Andrew really hit me in that yeah final scene because yeah the whole the whole bus ride he's like kind of distraught that he didn't die, I think. You know, I think mostly because he doesn't think he deserves to live, but also because, you know, he didn't think he would. I don't know, he had really done all this mental preparation to, like, come to terms with it. And so, like, I I get it, but I really just took it to be he just kind of thought, like, that that was his way out and that Anya saved him kind of threw a wrench into that. But when he tells Xander that, like, she died saving his life, I think you see this little glimmer of change in his face where it's like, oh, maybe if somebody bothered to save my life, then it was worth saving. And I like really got worked up about that. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, you're totally worth saving, Andrew. I don't care what anyone says. I'm like, I think he kind of makes a little change of heart for a second in that moment. I, so I'm just like, really, I'm really happy for him, even though I'm heartbroken about Anya. And the way they shoot that one too, it gets me every time. It's like really shocking. Yeah. You know, cause she kind of gets sliced through from behind and you like, like there's no you there's no preparation for it for you the viewer it just happens before you even catch on and it's like ah you're yeah you have this moment of like did that just and like, they move on yeah yeah and then you're like and there's no coming back from that because she's yeah. like shoulder to waist basically yeah yeah Oof. yeah I thought the fight was well done like I I have some quibbles about their their ultimate plan because I mean, Buffy still there's taking still thousands of 30, exactly thirty slayers <laughs> yeah. to go fight these things that that they made such a big deal about it I being know. almost unkillable and now yeah. they seem to have no problem killing them so that's you know yeah that's, that's always thing. been a thing that I think they've even been open about I know I've heard quotes from I've read quotes from Joss Whedon being like well I know we had to make them less powerful <laughs> sorry <laughs> yeah and and you could also say maybe the first imbued the other one it yeah but. Knows? Yeah. No, but I agree. Enough, but like, even despite that, like, I thought the battle scene looked pretty impressive. Mm-hmm. Um, it was great seeing all the potentials finally. Like, I think they do a really good job of showing just much, how much more powerful they become. Yeah. Because Buffy doesn't, because we've seen Buffy use her powers this whole time, it just seems like, okay, Buffy can just kill these things. But like, these girls are throwing these uber vamps like around yeah like, yeah stacks of flour and like i thought it was just visually really impactful to be like oh, okay this is what they're they're now able to do um 
yeah. You know you who know, the coolest one in the fight was, too? Was Felicia Day's character. Yeah, she just is like, because she's also been kind of the babiest of all of them. Maybe not in the way that the other ones whine so much, but like in terms of like fighting, she's been really scared of it. And to like, she just, she got like two or three solid camera moments where she was just like left and right doing cool moves. And I was like, I'm kind of here for that. So. Yeah. And it's sad. And then the one who was always really good at fighting is the one who died. Millie. Millie. I know. I was going to call her Millie. I was like, wait, that's not, that's not. I think her name's Sarah in the show, but yeah, it's Millie in my heart. Um, and even again, Rona gets I, to fight with the scythe, but she's bro- got one broken arm, so she has to do it one-handed. And I was like, all right, that's also cool. <laughs> Rona got her moment. It was mm-hmm. awesome. I, you know, and I think all of that was good. And I, a surprising number made out, made it out alive. And, yeah. you know, the spike thing is definitely. <sighs> that's the big plot hole. But it, it, it gives, I think it gives Spike a beautiful ending. Oh, it does. I know, caveat, asterisk, it's not the ending for Spike. But right. On Buffy, it gives him the ending, and Spike sacrificing himself yeah. feels fitting. Like It does. And I I, I, I want to talk a bit about this moment, and I, but it's, this is going to lead me into, like, another quibble. Like, I want to be really clear. I, I think this is a fitting finale for Buffy. I think like, it's a good finale, too. I know I was really happy with it the very first time I watched it. Yeah, the final moment where Buffy smiles because everyone I'm, I'm gonna cry talking about this, yeah everyone, <laughs> like she gets to do what she wants now like that's not yeah really the, way the comics went with it but like this uh, right. final moment where I mean everything gets undercut by what comes after but this final moment where Buffy has this realization of like what it truly means to have thousands of slayers in the world means this doesn't have to be her only option like right. being a slayer can be a choice mm-hmm. as they say like you can choose to do this it's not something that's chosen for you and Buffy realizing like I could do whatever I want is like mm-hmm. a huge moment <laughs> yeah yeah but and I agree with you about Spike too that I want to bring that up because I'm about to go down a, a slightly negative path okay this moment where Buffy is saying goodbye to Spike Ugh. and she says, I love you. And mm-hmm. he says, no, you no, don't. You don't. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I have... really, I had a, like a, hmm, like, <laughs> because. I have much to say. Yeah. Okay. So what do you, what do you think? So here's the thing that always stuck out in my mind because as well established on the whole run of this show, I am a shipper for Buffy and Spike, or at least I was, especially the first time that I watched the show. And so when I got to this moment and she finally says, I love you. And then he says, no, I was, it always bothered me, but watching it this time, it bothered me, but on like a totally different level. I, they really, it turns out, I still feel negatively about Angel having been involved in these last two episodes at all, because I just (laughs) think that conversation, like Buffy said, we can go back to that too. Buffy says beautiful things about herself and like growing and what like being with or without a partner might mean for her. And then it's totally undercut because she's like, yeah, sometimes I think about a future with you. And then later she goes and tells Spike she loves him. I'm just like, why is a love triangle, like the love triangle didn't have to be a part of this final story. So I kind of agree with Spike when he says, you don't love me because she kind of outright admitted to Angel mere hours ago that like, I never think about a future with Spike. He's just fun for now, kind of. And I'm like, that's not her heart. But that's not, but no, but she said something. There was some, uh, I should have taken better notes, but she, she really said something about like, I don't think about any of this, but sometimes I do. And I think about it with you, Angel. So I was like, so the, I think the inference is that she doesn't think about Spike that way. And maybe she's just saying this stuff to keep Angel happy or, you know, because that's like, why would you tell him that? But it just, 
all of that, I just think they made it so muddy when it didn't need to be because they had done this really beautiful thing for Buffy and Spike in the latter, the latter last few episodes where it's like, they kind of have grown into this partnership. She's getting emotional strength from him, you know, and he's getting something out of it too. And so I just feel like they undercut it with that whole angel thing. So mostly I hate that line when Spike says, no, you don't, because it's not your place to tell somebody what they do or don't feel. But also this time around, I sort of agreed with him and that made me even more mad. <laughs> no, th- you're going exactly where I was going with this, where it felt like the show making the, the choice between Angel and Spike and the show choosing Angel. Yeah, why? Buffy choose Angel. But what, where I really got annoyed is that I don't, I don't know why Buffy has to resolve any relationship exactly. issues to have a finale. Like, she doesn't. Even her cookie dough speech makes me angry because it makes me wonder if we even really needed it. Like, it's a beautiful speech about, like, I need I'm to be what ready. I want to be yeah. before I be. But, but I don't even think we needed to have this conversation. Like, I, I agree. think this might have been better to be, like, if you want to do it, maybe a show, don't tell. But, like, this whole, this whole digression for five minutes into – this love triangle again or even yeah. even the Buffy Angel thing of her saying oh I still think about it sometimes is like why do Who we cares? even have to bring this up yeah. this is so <laughs> unrelated to everything else that's happened to Buffy's personal growth that like reducing her back down to like oh I I think I might want to have one of you as a boyfriend is like so irritating yeah. and, and it kind of the thing that made me angry about it too was like it made me feel like that's the whole reason they brought Angel back. I but yeah. I actually was at first kind of irritated about Angel showing up, but then then I then Angel himself reminded me that it kind of makes sense for him to want to show up and lend a hand against the first because it the does. first tried to drive him to kill himself. That's like, true. I had totally forgotten that, and I was like, oh, I could. I this to me is proper motivation to why Angel might show up and want to want to help, but then having it turn into this like petty spat over spike having a soul as well and like, i know i you know this whole cookie dough thing like i was just like this is not a direction that we ever needed to go in for a successful finale and it's really and, really annoying and i think also going back so also like what the hell version of angel is this because he he's not that pithy on angel the show yet i think he will be next season but he's not there yet he just lost his son he just lost his love of his life his other love of his life, Cordelia. And here he is now pining over Buffy and being petty about Spike. I'm just like, where does this fit in? Like, why is he being like this in this moment? It's just so weird. I I really do get it. I agree. I, I really like the idea that he gets to be in the finale on paper, but I think I hate it in execution. And I don't know that there's a good way to make it work if you're not going to let him fight. And obviously they're not going to let him fight because he's got his own show. <laughs> I think if he shows up and just gives her the magical amulet, and then they don't have this conversation about relationships and all this stuff. And Angel or even, is there purely because Angel's like, yeah, I have, a, I want to take this thing out too. Like, I would be fine with it. Or even if he said, I can't do this, but maybe Spike can. I don't know. It's like, they don't have to be weird, petty rivals. Why like, can't Angel have personal growth too? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh, and that, you're right. Sorry, personal growth. That is really the thing. That's ultimately the thing that really drove me up the wall about that scene is it's like, I haven't thought about Angel and Buffy in four seasons like you know like they had their little moments in season four and like fine because like they had this big love affair and yeah you don't just come off of that and completely forget about one another but it's like she's been without him for so long I never wonder what is she thinking about Angel like I just it, it's like it's so weird it's like if you ask me about my high school boyfriends right now I'd be like I 
don't know. Like, this isn't, I don't think about them that way. Like, you just don't live, I don't think most people live their lives that way. And granted, she's not as old as I am, but like, I don't know. Also, also, in her cookie dough speech, I know that it's, it's a lovely sentiment, but she's, <laughs> I'm sure that I felt differently about this the first time I watched it, but she's like at most 22, right? And she's like, oh, I always thought there was something wrong with me that I couldn't make a relationship work. I'm like, Buffy, you're so young. <laughs> you, you, this is not time for you to say that. What are you talking about? Because we can barely call Spike a relationship. So she's what? Oh, for two? Like... And and is she, like, is she ignoring the like right extenuating here. circumstances? I would argue the only relationship she truly failed to make work was the one with Riley. Yeah, that's true. So that's one, and you're 22, and you're like something's wrong with me. Yeah, like there's nothing wrong with you. Why would you even think that? I mean, I know people think that, so it's like I don't want to totally dismiss it, but it's just like when you go back and watch my best friend's wedding, and you're like, holy moly, Cameron Diaz is in college, <laughs> getting married to this guy, or. Uh, father of the bride and that girl gets married uh, when she's no, 21 or I'm 22. The, oh, Cameron the, Diaz. the premise of my best friend's wedding is that if they aren't married by 28 no they but I'd marry saying, each other right 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 that's 28 yes I'm sorry but I'm saying also the main character getting married I believe is still in college I'm no, not, I think not the main she character is, the other but character like, honestly these days I find yeah. that less shocking than the fact that they <laughs> yeah made you're right a, you're like, so right suicide marriage pact at the <laughs> yeah. age of fr- like if we're not married by 28 I so I guess a little bit I'm saying different times different yeah. expectations I get it but like still still hard to hear that means they gave themselves a whole six years between graduation yeah <laughs> oh, yeah yeah at least make it like around 30 I know all right. Anyway, so I agree. I'm still happy that Spike gets to make the ultimate sacrifice. And I really like the part where he says, like, oh, I can feel my soul. Because I think that was a really nice pin on all the stuff that he's done. To get to be to get to be able to be in that moment at all is because of, of choices that he made and things that he did. So granted, they weren't all positive choices, but the final one was. So, yeah. Ultimately, I think they did such a nice job with Spike at the end of this season that I am sad that he doesn't, you know, if if Buffy being in love with somebody has to be part of it, I just, I don't, I don't know. I don't know why they couldn't just make them, I don't know. I don't know where I'm going with this. I just think that all could have been handled better. Or ignored. Entirely. Or ignored. I agree. Because I guess, I guess that's what it is. She and Spike already had their moment in the last episode. And like, I don't, it's not important to me that she says she loves him or she doesn't because they already have admitted that like, we have this different relationship now and it's this other thing and it can still be powerful and meaningful. And it's like, I, I was happy with just that. It didn't necessarily mean they were going to be together forever. They weren't even really admitting that like they want to be boyfriend and girlfriend. It was more that like, well, we have, connect, we have a connection and it was meaningful for what it was or for what it, you know, whatever happens. It's kind of nicer than and like, also, oh, why I want to be your girlfriend. Why couldn't, if she has to say I love you, why couldn't she just say I love you and he kind of nod and like, that's it. Like, it's so true. It why is, even it, go down this like, no, you don't. No, you but don't. thank you for saying it anyway. Like it give, makes Buffy sound like some super generous, like fake person. <clears throat> but like, it doesn't make any sense why Spike wouldn't believe her. Yeah, I never understood why they made him say that. But I, on the whole, I want to really reiterate, I liked this episode. I know, I know. <laughs> Well, okay. So back to it. Actually, I know another great moment that we can talk about. Uh, So, you know, I don't think the back to basics premise uh, that they started at this season out with really came to any sort of meaningful fruition, but they obviously do end the show in the high school, which I think is appropriate. And specifically when they get there, they all start, you know, they have a attack plan. And so, okay, 
Xander and so-and-so, you go here, you know, Wood, Principal Wood, you go here, Giles, you go here, blah, blah, blah. But as they're, as they're giving everybody their orders, you know, it ends up with the final four, Giles, Willow, uh, Buffy, and Xander, and then Giles peels off so that it's just the three of them. And I really, really like that moment. And I actually think that turned to like, they all, you know, they're like in a circle about to have this most epic battle of their lives. And it's like, what else can you talk about except Oh, what are we going to do tomorrow? Like I, that part actually really worked well for me. I, I I was like, for a second, I was like, is this too cheesy? And I was like, you know, it's not because like, what else is there to say? <laughs> you but know, also, like there's nothing else to talk about. You've already made all your plans. So I love that moment. Cause it's a callback to the pilot. Oh, okay. Because they fight the vampires and then they're all, you know, Willow and Xander have discovered this new world and they're mm-hmm. like, so what do we do now? And Buffy's like, I don't know. Like, I think I'll go shopping, like, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and they all start talking oh, about whatever and Giles, Giles. Is like, the earth is doomed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so at the end of this one, he's like, the earth is definitely doomed. Like, yeah, I, yeah. I love that callback of like, it's still the four of them. They're still, you know, being lighthearted in the face of certain death and, mm-hmm. you know, unwinnable odds. And, you know, it's... It was cute. I like yeah, it. Yeah, I agree. So on the whole, a fine, a fine ending. Yeah. Okay. All right. Let's talk about overall takeaways. Not takeaways yeah. so much, but okay. So I listened to our, first of all, we didn't talk about this stuff in the first episode. So I skimmed through a lot of that before I realized we weren't going to get to it. And so then I had to skim through our second episode <laughs> where we talked about, um, you know, before we started this project, favorite episodes, favorite seasons, favorite villains, favorite blah, blah, blah. Uh, so I, the, the thing I've been wanting to do when we got to the end was to redo our season rankings. Do you know what you told, you said in this, in the episode where we talked about season rankings? No, but I bet you, you do. You declined to comment. <laughs> you didn't rank them in the beginning. So there's really? nothing there's nothing to compare against. And then even on the website in our little like about us section, also favorite season, you said, don't ask me. <laughs> so <laughs> there's no baseline for you. You cheated. <laughs> I did cheat, but I'll in the spirit of honesty, I'll tell you where I probably was. Okay. I can't believe you've been holding out on us for two years, I, three years. I'm going to write two. this down real quick. I think I, I think I can do this. I probably okay. went three, two. This is what I probably said at the time. Um, no, you didn't say at all. I know, but I know where I was. Okay. I think I know where I was. So three, two, five, probably six, four, seven, then one. And, and okay. I'll tell you where I am right now. Mm-hmm. Three, mm-hmm. two, wait for it, mm-hmm. four. Oh. Five, six, one, seven. Okay, so we're pretty <laughs> much the same. I just, I, st- I have uh, three, two, five, six, four, one, seven. That, well, that was what I started off the show with, but I think that holds. I think that for me, the biggest mover from doing mm-hmm. this was season four. Yeah. Because... I, I think they didn't really know where they were going with it, but I think ultimately as a whole, given that it was a season of transition, I think it actually went really well. Like, yeah. And I I think now looking back on it, I have way more positive feelings about it. Um, season five, I just... Season five for me is never going to be... It, it's never going to move higher because I really feel like... When I think of the show, I have this like visual, like it's like it's almost like a lighting scale, right? Mm-hmm. 
And five is the moment where the lights turn off. Like, mm-hmm. it just gets really dark. Like, tonally, but also visually, I think maybe they were filming with different lenses or something. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, so, like, in my mind, four is, like, very sunny. Like That's you know, true. Outside, yeah. and then five is, like, it just gets darker and darker. And, and, I, and I think maybe that's because it gets more adult and, like, the themes are darker. Also, the introduction of Dawn. Dawn is not great in season five. Um, you know, and, and I, but it kind of, so four kind of bumped six down because six, I, I had a fonder memory of, and I still really like six, is it, but yeah. it was a struggle to get through. Is it weird that I feel like I increased my opinion on six though? Well, I, guess... I didn't, I don't want to say that I decreased my opinion. It's just that I think I increased four so much that it bumped it down. Okay. Yeah. I think I still am stuck on the ultimate payoffs kind of and the season five finale always works so well for me that it's hard for me to pretend like I don't love that season also that's where we get a lot more Tara for the first time and like it's true remember how great Tara was <laughs> well my my finale rankings would be a lot different and my villain rankings would be a lot different too a lot different well we only picked favorite big bads we didn't go farther than that yeah, so but if I had to do rankings of villains and finales this list would look very different Okay, I see. I think, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, that's I not the only way to... I don't think season like, lives or dies on the strength of its finale, but I think right. some of them were very successful and some of them weren't. <clears throat> and what's interesting to me is that this, this watch through, I used to be a bit of a season seven apologist. You were. I don't think I can do that anymore. <laughs> you can't. You can't do it. It never really got better. It kind of only got worse. Right? For the most part, season seven. I know. If you if you listened to me at the beginning of this season, I was very optimistic. And and at the beginning, when I told you season seven was my least favorite, I don't think you were very... You were like, no, it's not bad. I was like, I just watched it. It's not great. <laughs> um, I mean, and even one I feel more fondness for now than I used to. You know, I didn't hate those episodes when we watched them. It's just never going to be my favorite. You know, like... But they're good. they're still good in their own way. I mean, I maintain second to last for season one, but anyway. Okay. Well, I think mine's is the same. Three, two, five, six, four, one, seven. Maybe I'd switch four and six. I did really like Riley. You know who we turned around a lot on in this was Riley. Riley. Yeah. I was thinking about that too. Uh, so shout out to Claire. Uh-huh. Who yeah, that's came true. On the show and from <laughs> the first moment was like, you guys are crazy, Team Riley. Yeah. <laughs> It's true. I do have to say, though, that, yes, getting through all this, and maybe it's also just because I'm older now, but I at the, at the very end, I, I have to just say Team Buffy. You know, she doesn't need to pick either of them, and that's fine. I, I still I love Spike. That's why I got so angry that she had this whole thing in the finale. Was It's not necessary. And I only ever wanted to be Team Spike for, like, that's just, that's just a, a fun lens for the show, but it's not, like, the ultimate one, you know? Like, it's fun to have a team, and it's fun to, like, joke around and argue about which vampire is better. And if I had to have that fight, I'm still going to land on Spike's side every time. But, like, in the span of the show, yeah, I much prefer Buffy without either of them. I and guess I, I just I really like Spike. I just really talk about most romantic moments, it didn't happen with either of them. It didn't? No, it was with Riley. Which one was the most romantic moment? I think, you know, like, every time she has to, like... I think Hush was a romantic moment where they can't mm-hmm. talk and they're yeah. kissing. Um, I think when he tells her he's in love with her, I think all of this. Yeah. 
I like Spike's final declaration of love, though, just a few episodes ago, too. Should I also mention Riley's the only one she ever ran after? That's true. And they should have never made Riley do those things that he does in the show, but would it's never true. have really Riley done. Got the worst <laughs> Riley would never have done those things, and I would fight about that, too. <laughs> yeah, Riley but, got deemed. But I will say, you know, and part of what, here's a bit of the the problem in terms of arguing Spike versus Angel is that Spike is, you know, big asterisks aside, Spike really does get a complete arc by the time this show is over, whereas Angel got written out of the show, so they never closed his arc. So I think that's part of why I like Spike more in Buffy is because he gets to be super villain for a long time before he has a change of heart and then takes these steps to make this choice at the end and then go out with a bang. So it's like kind of an unfair comparison because for a long time I really wasn't watching Angel. So I was really only thinking in terms of Buffy, Spike is the better character because he's on the show way longer and gets an actual arc with closure. You know, Angel doesn't because they just send him off in the fog. It's a great moment, but like, that's not growth for Angel. Does that make sense? No, it does make total sense. Mm-hmm. Especially because every time they bring him back, he seems to be regressing. <laughs> he does. He gets more and more like a snotty teenager every time he's back on the show. Despite him being nothing like that on Angel. I don't understand where they're drawing these characterizations from. <laughs> Despite right. having never acted like that while he was on Buffy. I know. Him and Buffy did not have that dynamic. Okay, who's your favorite monster? Like monster, not yeah. villain? Yes. Mm, I mean, still of the gentleman. week. Yeah, same. Yeah. Uh, 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 with an honorable mention to Gnarl, who even before we started taping this, we both agreed was the most horrific of all of them. <laughs> Except we didn't know his name at the time. It's true. And cutest would be. Um, <clears throat> cutest? The fear demon. The fear demon? The little one. Oh, guy. the little one? Oh. Yeah, he is cute. Um, okay, favorite big bad. Did we already talk about this? I'm sorry. No, we no, didn't. No, we didn't. It's still the mayor. Same. Okay, that's pretty much it. That's the stuff that we... Oh, no, no, no. Do you have a favorite episode? Hmm. I was wondering if this was going to change. Um, but I don't think so. I think I'd still... What did I... Did I say something in the... Yeah, you said hush. What Did I say hush? Yes. Yeah. I, um... I still think Hush is very special. Once more revealing. Yeah, I think I said graduation day, or at least that's what I put on the website. And I actually think I, if I'm being honest, it's once more revealing. Yeah. Because that's it's, just the one that like, if I just need to watch an episode, it's, it's just the, for me, it's just the perfect one that I always want to watch. And I always get more out of every time I watch it. What's your, what do you think is your most improved episode? Or like, one that you look back fondly now instead of just fear. I think all of season one and maybe Double Beat Palace. I was just going to say Double Beat Palace. I feel like is we that like a satirical masterpiece? That it's, some, it's, not, it's not a masterpiece, but it's something. <laughs> yeah, agreed. But also, like, I thought we were going to hate I, Robot, You, Jane, and it was like, okay. I don't know. I mean, it's terrible in the way that it's, it's just terrible because it's so dated. Like, it wasn't terrible. Like, most of season one wasn't terrible. It just looks awful. I can't really give you that on iRobot Eugene, but... I came around <laughs> I on like iRobot Eugene. <laughs> um, okay, well, least favorite episode was another uh, category. It's probably iRobot Eugene. You know, it, that we both talked about that. You know what? It totally is. Uh, 
excuse me while I have to look up the name, what's the episode three episodes ago where they kicked Buffy out of the house? That is by oh, far God. my least episode. Why? I don't know why I wasn't thinking about there that. There was at the also time. a really bad one at the beginning of this season that I think Was I it the one with the now. boy? No, that was okay. Touched? Yeah. No. Was it touched? It is. Touched is... Oh. No, it's the one no, before No, the one touched. before that. Empty Places. Yeah. Empty Places is by far my least favorite show episode in this entire series. It's true because I wanted also, to throttle I, every single wrong, character. I Robot You Jane, the episode with Deliver. Yeah, uh, mm, I'm not sure. It might be. <laughs> well, whatever that episode is, automatically gets bonus points. Yeah. <laughs> uh, do you have a favorite quote or favorite line? I think I said you have fruit punch mouth, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I still really like that one because he does. Have <laughs> uh, I don't know. Yeah, I I think I'd still stick with that one. Although I I did get more like, I did remember more of the context around like, oh my god, did it sing? Oh my god, did it sing? Is still my favorite. Still great. <laughs> yeah, so funny. Ugh. Okay, that's it. Those are all the categories. Yeah, I mean, so I guess we didn't really talk about this because I don't know that we could have, but I think going through and rewatching this um, episode by episode, yeah. Do you think that your overall sense of the show has changed? Hmm. Like, <clears throat> I know if I had to answer these a questions little bit. for Angel, I would say. 100%. <laughs> I mean, I definitely think it showed me how much binging can make up for problems in shows that I just, it's so, you know, I've been binging shows for a long time now, even before Netflix really made it a thing. You know, when we had the DVDs for this, it was like, yeah, how many can we watch in one day? Like we watched like a whole season of Grey's Anatomy in one day, one time in college. So it's like, we've been doing that for a long time. <laughs> and I, I, yeah, I mean, it's really fun to get swept up in the immediacy of everything, but like, I don't know if it makes my opinion on the shows different, but it does give me a respect for like shows can be written in different ways. And depending on what you're trying to do, it, yeah, it's, it's very different. There were definitely times where I was like, oh, I would have enjoyed that season more if we were watching it faster. Or in this one, I liked more because we, I think six, we liked more watching it slowly than like binging it. Maybe I'm wrong about our opinions, but. Yeah. And I know that I basically just reversed um, or I just bumped six down. A spot um, because I bumped four up, but I think what they have in common are these two <clears throat> two arcs that, and even season five a little bit too. That I think when I watched these the first time through when I was younger, you know, I was like, oh, this is such a drag. Like, why is this show so depressing now? But like now, I see like yeah. these are real questions that we've all had to deal with on some level. Like, mm-hmm. you know, on Buffy, it's like I don't think they always that the college metaphors worked as well as right. high school, but I think that that's why they kind of dropped the college conceit Frame. pretty yeah. quickly. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, I don't even think Willow graduates from college. It's true. And I think that that's fine because I think the shift was more not so much like the classes and this academic world that you're in, but more the, the personal relationships and having to navigate these as an adult, as the only person who's responsible for your choices, mm-hmm. as the only person who can make your choices, and and how what it looks like when you make the wrong choices and mess up, and um, I 
think I appreciate the later seasons more now. Yeah, I agree. That. I think even season seven, you know, as much of a failure as I think it ultimately was, um, I think a lot of it is just because they didn't, I think the pacing of season seven is the failure. Like, a lot of things seem to take a long time and a lot of things didn't take enough time. Yeah, I agree. Um, but I think the questions that Buffy's still wrestling with are very relevant. Like, you know, she's still the main provider yeah. for these people. She's still the one who has to make the hard decisions. And we see, you know, what happens when people don't always agree with you and you fail and, like, the rejection and, like, it, and, you know, and as problematic as that episode is, I think it's a little bit realistic of, like, you can feel in the right and still fail and still mm-hmm. have people reject your viewpoint and it does feel like a personal rejection. I mean, that's right. like every time you fail at work, right? Like, right. so I would say I have a greater appreciation for some of that. Yeah, I agree with that. And I, I it's so funny too, and I know we're mostly talking about Buffy right now, but especially I know that you alluded to like, yeah, you would like Angel more when you binged it, but the... I know I pointed this out last week or the week before, but on Angel this season, those episodes have all literally happened in like every episode ends and then the next one starts in that exact same frame. So it's like that's that whole season is really condensed. So like I can also understand why I don't I mean, I'm never going to like season four because for all the well-documented reasons, but I also can see how it's like I don't think they should have written it that way, but I can understand how watching that one in quick succession might make it more coherent because it's literally all happening back to back. Right. Hmm. But I think that that means that in a way it's like a forced binge. And so it should be slightly more successful. I mean, it definitely should be more successful. Yeah. But I still like this show. Yeah. I still love this show. I'm like, I was, I was um, putting my DVDs away the other day and, um, I was like, oh, I think I might be ready to watch season one again. I know. That's sort of how I feel, too. It's I'm like, man. It's been two and a half years. <laughs> yeah. And it would be fun to watch them more quickly. As much as I've gotten something out of letting them breathe between each other, I mean, I'm still ultimately going to watch them, want to watch them faster than we've been doing it. Absolutely. And maybe not six in one day, but like two or three a week. Yeah. It's maybe a more but reasonable. But no, it's like, it was fun to be like, oh, I think it's time for season one again. <laughs> and I was just thinking about, you know, last time... <clears throat> I said now that my favorite episode is once more with commentary, but before I think I said graduation day, which is still like, I'm also like, man, but also what if I watch season three right now? <laughs> it's like, I love that season. Now you have the pleasure and the convenience of skipping around. I can watch it in whatever order I want. I'm like Buffy setting all the potentials free and now I can do whatever I want. It's your choice. It's today. my choice. <laughs> uh, but yeah, okay, on the whole I'm, positive, I'm I think most of this has aged really well great time i've had a great time talking about it yep and uh we have one more season of angel to go it's true and at the moment we don't have the next air date on the calendar so tbd but it'll probably be a couple weeks from now i'm gonna just be really honest and say given that we're moving into a solo angel endeavor the last season of angel was brutal to get Mm -hmm. through i would like a break okay (laughs) Also, I'm getting married, and that might kind of throw a wrench yeah, into things. Yeah, maybe we, for real, we might be back in back a in month. April, but yeah, I think realistically. Yeah, realistically, um, given the timing of all of this, because we're going to need a couple weeks off from 
angel. And, and then I will need to be <laughs> busy. And I think by then that's putting us into wedding territory. Agreed. So, um, yeah, we might take a longer break than usual, but we'll be okay. back. We will finish. We're not going to never come back. No. And, and as I said, I'm excited to get into this last season of Angel. Absolutely. Like I, I have as much as I've just been dinging it. Like I have very high hopes for this. And they left season. us in a really positive They spot. really did. It was almost as if they were like, you know what? We realized we just wrote the show off a cliff. So coming back. Yeah. here's the parachute. Here's <laughs> what it will be like next season. It's actually kind of hilarious that they did it that way. It's yeah. a, it was pretty uncommon to write shows that way. I think at the time. I mean, yeah. still pretty uncommon, but... Full reset, yeah. No, I mean, like, do... I guess they did this once in Buffy, too, but, like, uh, in a way, they always did this on The Wire, where it's, like, actually everything concludes in the penultimate episode, and then the finale is more of, like, an epilogue or, like, a reset or something. Yeah, I think the only Buffy one they did that on was That's um, four. season four. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway. Which wasn't a reset. It was just a fever dream, but... Right. Yeah. Well, not even a fever, but <laughs> just a dream. Okay. All right. Um, I know we're really long, but do you oh my God. do pop culture? I do. I have to. Okay. Yeah. Otherwise, it'll be a month and it'll be too late. Yeah. You know what I uh, shockingly loved? What? Liked a lot. Uh, Birds of Prey, the Harley Quinn movie. Oh, really? It was amazing. I mean, it wasn't amazing. I don't want to like... I had low expectations and then I saw it. I have no interest in DC. First of all, this is the only modern DC movie I've seen. I haven't seen any of the other ones because I you don't seen like Wonder them. Wonder Woman? Nope. And I'm probably not going to. I mean, it's oh. fine. I would watch it if it happened, but like, I'm not going to seek it out. I think you'd like Wonder Woman. Well, maybe. Um, but I saw a trailer for Birds of Prey and I was like, oh, that actually looks kind of fun. And then we just kind of went and saw it on a whim. And I think that's the way to approach it as like, what if I just wanted to be entertained? Because it was super entertaining. Like, it's not seri- It's not super serious. It's like, so I'm sure there's tons of plot holes, but, like, the fighting choreography was super fun. Like, Harley Quinn, you know, I mean, if you think she's annoying, then maybe it's not for you. But she's, because she always kind of has that shtick. But it's like, she, like, heists a police precinct with, like, a pellet gun that, like, shoots glitter, <laughs> like, puffs of color. I was like, I'm here for this. And Mary Elizabeth... Win Winstead? God, Winstead, why do I yeah. yeah, is one of the characters and like Rosie Perez is in it. Like, I don't know, I thought Ewan McGregor and Chris Messina are the villains, and I was like, okay, that was there were a couple things watching it where I was like, Oh, a woman must have written this, right? And then I looked it up and it's like, yeah, it was written by a woman and directed by a woman. I was like, and that just feels very like maybe this is just my own opinion, but like I feel like Ewan McGregor and Chris Messina are very like lady friendly actors. I mean, granted, they're being villains, but I just, like, I really liked them. I really liked the whole thing. It was super silly, not at all serious. They get the final battle scene. They're in, um, uh, like, abandoned um, carnival setting, so they're doing all these, like, hijinks as they, like, fight to the death. I don't know. I thought it was really fun. Also, Ewan McGregor and Mary Elizabeth Winstead are dating. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. But I really liked her. It was a great moment with a hair tie. <laughs> I keep seeing that on Twitter. It was great. I don't know and literally, like, I lost my mind. I mean, not really, but, like, not knowing it was coming. Yeah, like, literally in the middle of a fight scene, Harley Quinn goes up to another character. And she's like, oh, do you need a hair tie? And she's like, yes, thank you. I was like, what? <laughs> anyway, but I thought it was very fun. What have you got? So my recommendation is in a similar vein. Because I spent two and a half hours at a gate at O'Hare Airport. 
Oh, yes. On the plane for two and a half hours waiting I'm to excited. I'm that excited. That was awful. Mm-hmm. But it was made better because I was watching Charlie's Angels. The new one, <laughs> and right? I loved it. The Elizabeth so, Banks one? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I thought that trailer looked super fun, too. And I always meant to go see it when it came out. And then I didn't get around to it. And that movie bombed. And I think they just did not market it well because I think the marketing made it seem like it took itself way more seriously, wasn't... It was... It was kind of similar in that I felt like they were it was a really fun movie like there's no real depth to this movie except that they're sort of taking the trope of Charlie's Angels and sort of Mm -hmm. picking at it a little bit and asking the questions of like but what would this really mean for the women right and I thought it was great I thought Kristen Stewart was amazing yeah I thought all the other girls were amazing Elizabeth Banks was great Patrick Stewart is the villain. He's amazing. See, yeah. See, okay. I, I, I like, think if you like that, I think you'll like the other one. And I'm I think ex- so. I think they're, I'm excited they're probably to watch. very similar. Um, yeah. And yeah, I was like, I would totally watch this again. And it's the perfect airplane movie. Yeah. Especially when you're stuck at a gate and you're angry that you're not moving. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I really meant to see that over the summer, and I didn't get around to it. So I'm glad that you said this. Yeah. Um, and mm. I'll so I'll check out Birds of Prey. Okay. And you can watch Charlie's Angels. Yeah. So. Yeah. We'll do it. I also just want to add an extra shout out to the state of Florida. Okay. <laughs> I just went on vacation there. I had, like, not like I had no expectations. I just, like, didn't really know. I knew it would be fun. I just, like, didn't really know what to expect about some of the, like, kitschier, like, Florida, quote, Florida elements of it. Mm-hmm. I love Florida. I okay. thought it was so fun. <laughs> it was, like, the beaches are gorgeous. I had no idea. Um, it's so fun to just hang out. Like, Key West was my favorite. Key West is fun. But even, like, the Gulf Coast towns, like, I was just like, oh, it's stunningly beautiful here. I really like the vibe. And there's just, like, crazy stuff. Like, you can go and watch grown women dress up as mermaids and swim around. Like, (laughs) (laughs) how does this stuff exist? I don't know. Like, it's just great. So if you're planning a domestic vacation and you don't want to pay for tickets to Hawaii, consider Florida. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I was like... I'm going to be a defender of the state of Florida from now on. Um, <laughs> All right. Yeah. Um, cool. well, well, we'll be back when we're back. We'll be back when we're back. I think there's only one choice for this last episode, though. Team Buffy? Team Buffy. Yeah. Gotta yeah. go out. I mean, it's our last chance. Also, she totally deserves it. <laughs> she really does. Um, Way to go, Buffy. You she, saved the world. She overcame what the, f- the first said was a mortal wound mm-hmm. <laughs> to not only continue to kick ass, but sprint along rooftops and... I love it. Yeah. In it heels. Great. And she came up with the final plan, so... Yeah. It was great. Okay. All right. All right. We'll be back. I'll we'll talk to back. you later. Bye. Bye. Once More with Commentary is produced by me, Allie. And me, Ginny. Our theme music is from the album Rockingham by Nerf Herder. And our podcast logo is by Ryan Cooney. You can email us at scoobies at oncemorewithcommentary.com with any feedback, questions, comments that you have, and find us on Twitter and Instagram at omwcpodcast. You can also find our most recent episodes and any show notes at oncemorewithcommentary.com.